Thanks for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more programmes, visit brumradio.com. Imagine yourself as one of the crew of this faster-than-light spaceship of the future, sharing their curiosity to know the unknown, their tension, their readiness for inconceivable adventures. Baffling questions, astounding questions, that not even the world's greatest scientific minds can answer. Computers now have primary control of critical vehicle functions. You are listening to Geeky Brummy. Hello, and welcome to the Geeky Brummy podcast. Welcome back, Mr. Philip Ellis. Thank you. I'm delighted to be back. It feels like it's been a year, even though it's been a couple of weeks. Honestly, I've just I've had all these opinions building up inside me and nothing to do with them. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Keith Bloomfield. Hello. You all right? Yeah, glad to be back. Pushing the buttons, Mr. Callum Danes. Hello. Hello. And of course, it's B, Mr. Ryan Parrish. Phil, what have you been up to since we last spoke to you? Um, oh, I've, 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 I've been here, there and everywhere. I, it was Birmingham Pride recently. Ah, I, yes. I spent two <laughs> days uh, dancing continuously. Um, it felt like doing a triathlon. Uh, it took four days to recover. <laughs> it probably I, I, was a triathlon for your liver. I was like, oh, there's like parts of my body that like just like aren't working anymore. <laughs> like, my, like my arms and my legs. That's just turning 30, Phil, but Hon- honestly, like walking was hard. <laughs> the thing is, when, you, when you're 29 and around to make pains there, you're like, eh, it's fine. As soon as you hit 30, it's like, I'm going to die. This is what I die of. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, wow. Like my, my, my liver was just like you know continually aching my my it hurt to to walk my arms weren't really cooperating as your liver going like it's not 2008 anymore <laughs> philip <laughs> no my my liver was slurring and starting fights <laughs> anything else cool um i have been um uh, working on, uh, I went to an event at the Economist a few weeks ago as well, yeah. which was really, really interesting. That, um, and that there, London. In 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 London, yes. Um, and that was all about the uh, the global state of LGBT inclusion, and it was uh, it was quite interesting. So I, I learned a lot. Yeah, my biggest thing about that was the Primark association oh. with Pride. Oh yes, it was so annoying. Which is made in Turkey. And it's and it's, Myanmar, but it's, which are very well known for their gay rights. But also, Actually, no, they're not. Um, are they? It's selling rainbow branded merch, and it's like all for Pride, but not actually doing anything to support the local Pride event. So none of that money went to into supporting Birmingham Pride, even no. though it was selling this stuff in Birmingham. And um, I think there was a. I mean, it's a positive some... step to be. Well, it, pos- it, it promoting is. Pride, it's, yet still they in, managed to do it badly. It's like, oh, well, we recognise that there are people going to Pride, so we're going to sell Pride stuff. But then, well, like, wasn't it Anthony Nolan Trust was taking all the money who don't support any Pride in the UK? But well, yeah, I, I think and the the amount of money that went, like the the percentage of the money that went to charity, was negligible. Yeah. So that was irksome because corporations deciding that they're LGBT friendly for the month of June and June alone, it's like. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you turning your logo into a rainbow on social media does not do anything to empower or lift up the LGBT people who are still oppressed to this day. Yes. Mm. Not very impressive. <laughs> we went political then for a little bit. But yes, Just a bit. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. The whole thing of corporates using a tax dodge and then pretending it's for yeah, every, like, everybody else's benefit. Is look how woke we are. Annoying. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I, I, on the one hand, I'm like, fair enough. Um, if, 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 
them seeing that they can make money out of it is how they get on board with the diversity. That's great. But then, like, <laughs> no, honestly, like, I've done I've done entire talks on the business case for you know acting like a decent human being. Um, and with businesses, you have to have that caveat of, and you'll make some money as well. But then you have to actually like you know acknowledge that you're going to do something with that profit or do something with that like you know engage that yeah. customer in some way that's going to be meaningful other than just slapping a rainbow on a t-shirt and that's the thing as well the t-shirts were ugly <laughs> it was like i i i, I was you know on, oh, on return to fashion on the friday before pride i was walking around town trying to find something to wear because it was rain forecast and my outfit options were had to had to be changed and i was going through in, into all the shops and everything was covered in rainbow stripes and and glitter and and hashtag love is love and I was like this is all hideous I'm going to Pride I don't need to have a t-shirt that advertises the fact that I'm at Pride yes. I just want something nice to wear not, nothing, not everything has to have a rainbow on it you know there's no skin tone that can wear all of those colours <laughs> at the same time <laughs> and as we all know because I talk about this every time if you're going to have a multicoloured background white writing with a black outline works fine don't try and match a colour in it exactly. never works exactly <laughs> never works Mr. Bloomfield, what have you been up to since we last spoke to you? I always hate going after Phil. <laughs> <laughs> it, makes, it makes my life seem so, so pedestrian in comparison. I know you went to Malvern. I did. I went to Malvern and ran a couple of um, filmmaking and stop motion animation did, workshops. Did you have some of their lovely spring water whilst the present? No. No? No. I'll, I'll get there and then I'll deliver workshops and then I'll... Book I, it. I, I, I get out of town. I remember many years ago, Adviv has a very similar story where my nan used to believe that Malvern spring water was the best water for the ironing so, so there's a tap halfway up the hill show your work <laughs> yeah there's a tap halfway up the hill where you can go and collect your own level of Malvern spring water so there's always be like a queue of people waiting for this tap to fill up a container is, to take home wait, is this where Jack and Jill had their accident <laughs> it could <laughs> be I mean that is the biggest drawback of delivering workshops there. I've got to t- take a load of gear up a hill so oh, the train it, station's at the bottom of the great Malvern? It was great Malvern. No, oh. not Malvern Link. Um, but yeah, it was all right. It was a fun couple of days. Do you want to explain the layout of Malvern to Callan, who's from the south and therefore only needs water to communicate? Yeah, it's, <laughs> up, it's up a hill from which the water runs. So um, Malvern is a town in the county of... Malvernshire? I don't know. Warwickshire? Warwickshire. Um, um, it, uh, it's past, uh, Worcester. 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 <laughs> Is that is that neighbour? Is, is, is that, that neighbouring? Do you mean Worcestershire? Warwick. Kevin? Is it Worcestershire? <laughs> yes. Okay. Worcester is when you have some Worcester sauce for your cheese on toast. That's like still that, that's still Worcester sauce. Though. Yeah, yeah. But the Americans call it Worcester sauce. Worcestershire. Yeah. Yes. That's, it's in Worcestershire, but crazy. it's a town which is split into two, and the bottom half of the town where the train station is is nowhere near the top half of the town at all. It's like a good twenty thirty minute walk. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit of a stretch. I mean, it does look quite pretty. There's many antique shops, so if you do want to go for an antiquing day, I recommend the town of Malvern. You got some nice, pretty tea shops as well. I didn't have a lot. I wasn't really touristing at the time, so I was kind of there, delivering at the theatre, and then uh, straight back to the train station afterwards. But it is a pretty place. You been up to anything else? Uh, I managed to get hold of a Marvel Legends action figure because I'm 12 and uh, I really wanted it. Um, but I've I managed to pick it up uh, the other day, which was great because then I saw it pop up on eBay again with one of the bits removed for 50 quid and I didn't pay anywhere near that. So I'm quite pleased I managed yes. to get it when I did. It was a good shopping day for you, wasn't it? Yeah, the problem was not too bad. That um, old collector mania. Mm-hmm. That's good. I wish I had more money. Yeah. 
There was lots of nice stuff which I'd have liked to have bought that were ridiculously expensive. Like that Power Rangers figure you were looking at, Callan. How much was that? Uh, there was, I know there was that which was £100. But there was also um, the Spider-Man and the Sinister Six. Oh, Which yes. was 300 and something, I 350 think. down from the Amazon recommended price of £500 for oh six plastic figures with Spider-Man included. Like you... So seven plastic figures. People know there are like other ways to use money, right? <laughs> Have you met us before? <laughs> I don't. I just like this, like wine and clothes. <laughs> you see, when there's spirits, why wine? Like, this is a, this is an argument I was getting into the other day. Is that if people give you gifts, I'm like, wine's nice, but just up your game and go to spirits yeah. because wine's okay. It's, it's the price wine's the kind of thing you can get. A, Averagey decent dish bottle of wine for a present for around a five. I'd rather a skip three presents. It's going to be 15, 20 quid. Skip three presents, which would have been trashy wine, and wait till the, you can afford to get the spirits. Yeah, but you can drink I, I, the trashy wine whilst waiting for the bigger present. Can I just say that if anyone wants to buy me a bottle of wine, that's perfectly all right. Phil, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be trashy wine. I'm not going to be snooty about it. Phil, give, <laughs> give us your push for being sponsored by Virgin Wines. <laughs> Oh, are we, are we going to the ad break now? Okay, well, <laughs> you guys know how I love my wine, and I also love a bargain. Well, let me tell you about Virgin Wines. <laughs> Have I, you been through your first box yet? No, I'm, I've only had, I think, three bottles out of the 12. But I let me tell you, guys, I, I ordered a case of 12 for £44. That's less than £3.50 a bottle. How long ago did you order this? This was a few weeks ago. I, I, I was honestly I'm... a little bit scared about having all that wine in my flat and I was like is this how I die or is this how I like, end up in I AA? was waiting for an Instagram at 3am in the morning on your sixth bottle going I regret nothing <laughs> the fact that you've only had three in a, in a couple of weeks shows some very serious self-control mm. thank you well I mean this, this was sort of the period when I was like at a wedding and at Pride so I was just drinking vast <laughs> amounts elsewhere <laughs> saving the stuff at home for a more needful time I, 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 did, I did finish a bottle in one sitting while binge watching Deep Space Nine the other night, and that was a this, great Saturday. <laughs> this is why bottles of spirits are not great gifts, because, <laughs> because because I have many many bottles of whiskey at home, and because Viv doesn't drink whiskey, I just feel like I can't open a bottle of Jack Daniels or something and just sit there drinking it on my own. I'm sorry, Jack Daniels is the worst whiskey. Shut up. <laughs> you know nothing about alcohol yet. You're still on mixers. You're still on blue WKD. <laughs> There's a whole there's a whole alcoholic education this boy's got to go through, isn't there? Really, Jack Daniels is a fairly decent bore, but Gentleman Jack is very nice. What's I... Gentleman Jack? That oh, was my Friday night. Forgive <laughs> <laughs> hey. her. Anyway, child, what have you been up to this week? <laughs> As Phil Mames himself. Oh, I, 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 breaks the I studio. hit my knee and then to the desk, and it was just on the bit of my jean that's ripped, so my knee was exposed. <laughs> Are you going to do that? Ah. Ah. <laughs> what did you do? Just bang it on the desk? I mean, yeah, I've got like long legs. They just get ar- they get everywhere. <laughs> it's like being with a giraffe on this side of the desk. <laughs> a drunk giraffe. Legs everywhere. Giraffe. <laughs> it still looks like father and son over there, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so he's going to start singing oh, some Cat Stevens in a little bit. <laughs> <No. laughs> yeah. Anyway, Callum, what have you been up to? Uh, nothing much. I went home, enjoying the county of East Sussex, and have you, not have, a whole lot else. Wasn't much bunting out to welcome your new Duke and Duchess? Uh, 
I think it would just about all gone down, to be honest now. I think people are sort of like... Phil's looking puzzled. Harry and Meghan are now the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, it's probably the only sort of fame Sussex will have for the whole year, so... I think they should have been the Duke and Duchess of Birmingham. Second city. Do we have a Duke and Duchess? No. We had an Earl, which was the Earl of Dudley, and we have... Had the De Birmingham's many, many. The many. De, De Birmingham's. Why That's actually it? the name of the family, the De Birmingham's, which oh, is what Birmingham have, is named after. We've got to bring that back. Yeah. Uh, I'm Eloise De Birmingham <laughs> of the Birmingham De Birmingham. You could be Philip De Birmingham. <gasps> I'm changing my Twitter <laughs> handle as we speak. Well, actually, wouldn't you be Philip De Telford? Or are you trying to ignore that? I um <laughs> I obfuscate my uh, my Telford origins. I just tell people I'm from, I'm from Shropshire. <laughs> Callan, do you want to bring up the page about the De Birmingham's on Wikipedia? Bring in some local history. So if you can't say you never learn anything on Geeky Brummy here. I probably missed. I'm learning completely. and I'm entertained. Oh, I actually got it first time. De yes. Birmingham family. There you go. The De Birmingham. The Birmingham. The Birmingham held the lordship of Birmingham in England for 400 years oh, and managed its growth from a small village into a thriving market town. Well, it's a tiny bit bigger than a market town now, isn't it? Excuse me as I have some vintage jelly beans. Sorry, you might hear some slight rustling. They also helped I'm invade Ireland. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, I would have led with that. Just a footnote there. <laughs> For a second there, you were reading that out to the audience and we were all drifting off. And then suddenly, <laughs> we're all back. What? You've got me again, yeah. Yeah, they also helped invade Ireland and were rewarded with the barony of Athenry. Here you go. They were stripped of their land, most, most of, of their, their land, land, by the notorious John Dudley, Duke of Northumberland, who held sway over the sixth during the early 16th century. Oh, that rotter. Yes. There we go. So. So there you go. Kiki Brummy history. Did Birmingham's 400 years, and they're from Birmingham. Well, well Birmingham is named so after them. I want a Netflix original series. <laughs> Forget Peaky Blinders. I want the De Birmingham's. I want The Crown with Brummy who, accents. Who would you cast? Me. Bill Oddie. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Oddie, well, Ozzy Osbourne. Um, what's that star? What's that 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 one was it, that was in Star Wars? Felicity, Felicity Jones. Jones. She's from Edgebaston. Yes, Richard Hammond. Oh yeah, he's from Birmingham. He's also, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it could be something that gets killed off quite oh, early. Yeah, Phil. You'd that. enjoy I that. About that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. a scene where he, you know, eats yeah. ice cream incredibly camply. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Actually. <laughs> anyway, moving along. On yourself, Ryan. What have you been up to? I went to Collectomania. I happened to see you there. That's I strange. did see you there. Yeah, we ran into you. Yes, I saw Callan as well. And we saw the lovely chaps from Jaws19. You can find them on Twitter at Jaws19show. We had a good chat with them. Ran into George and Dave, which who we miss terribly. We miss you. Yes, George is good. Getting on with she their wedding plans. She was Gwen Stacy? No, Mary Jane. She was rocking a good MJ, yeah. Yeah, MJ. It was very good. And we bumped into our one of our favourite friends of the show, Mr Ian Richardson. Yes, yeah, so I'm now campaigning to be the artist on a unannounced Captain Britain quarterly series yes um, should we just buy the license Keith just yeah we'll, we'll, we'll write it he can draw it and, Captain uh, we'll Britain make... versus the Black Knight no because they're, they're pally so they can't mm. be versus there's going to be they could like... fall out 
Captain Britain and the Black Knight versus the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't <laughs> like, the Black Knight get brainwashed or something? Oh, he's, he's, had, he, oh, he's, he's, he's done that already. He's already gone for Or you could go Captain things. Britain does a full Captain America and turns out to be a Hydra. What about um, Captain Britain invades Ireland with the help of the Dubonians? <laughs> <laughs> that would work. Yes, that'd work. yes. But yeah, so Collectomania, we had good fun. But very tired afterwards. Oh, a lot of walking. Yeah, I forgot how much walking we did at convention. Every time I do this, I wear sensible-ish shoes, but then my feet come back and I'm like, oh. Was it one of those instances where the convention hall is the size of an international airport? Yes. <laughs> and you go up and down the aisles and you forget how much you've actually walked. I wish I wore a step counter because I'm sure we pushed at least twenty to 30,000. I danced like three miles on Saturday. I checked, wow. I checked my. I checked. Just down the road, like tires from I, um, space. No, I, I checked my. I checked my phone. Like you know, like your your iPhone health data like collects yeah. how how far you've travelled, and apparently like dance it to dan- sends it to Tim Cook. But dancing counts, and Tim Cook now knows that I got moves. <laughs> I couldn't walk afterwards, but I danced real good. I just have this issue, this imagination of you running around the jewelry quarter dancing like tires from space. I like mean, stuffing at traffic I, lights. Just at traffic lights going. I <laughs> have done that before. <laughs> I will not lie. That's how I spend most of my weekends. <laughs> After I've had, you know, the 12 bottles of wine. Weird news. Are we ready for our delve into the world of what's going on in the world of stupidity? Spin that wheel. All right, I've got four articles today. I'm being greedy now. We'll oh. move to four rather than three in future. Fire at London's Hayward Gallery as rotting fish artwork explodes. Oh my god. <laughs> That was from Firiz.com. F-R-I-E-Z-E.com. Not heard of them before. I, that sounds Italian. Yes. From BBC News. Disposable coffee cup ban unnecessary, says manufacturer. <laughs> <laughs> from The Straits Times. S-T-R-A-I-T-S. Yes, oh, I'm, okay. I, I, I know who they are. Yes. Yeah. Chinese woman pulled over for driving pink bumper car through dr- busy traffic in Giang. Amazing. And from harpersbazaar.com.au. Louis Vuitton ho- hired Shaman to control weather for their Cruise 19 show. <laughs> okay, okay. How many of these are we allowed to, to, to hear? Uh, as many as we think is deemed necessary. I'm going to say um, skip the... What was the first one? The fire due to rotting fish. Oh, no, no. What was the second one? The disposable coffee cups are... Yeah, skip, I, uh, yeah, un- skip, skip that. The headline is the story there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I want to hear all three of these. Mm. Yes, cool. So where do we want to start off? Do we want to start off with writing fish, bumper car, or weather shaman? Oh. Nobody's ever said that sentence in the history <laughs> of man. It's like, choose your fighter, exploding fish or weather shaman. <laughs> we could make this into a beat-em-up. <laughs> I want to hear about Louis Vuitton's weather shaman. Yes. Yeah. Hit us. Louis Vuitton is well known for weaving architecture and picturesque locales into their show, having previously debuted cruise collections in Rio de Janeiro, Kyoto, and Palm Springs, California. Their Cruise 19 show was no exception, taking place in the small town of St. Paul de Vence, a small medieval town on the Côte d'Azur in France, with star-studded list of attendees including House Muses Emma Stone, Elias Sidhu, and Sienna Miller. However, their most intriguing part of the show wasn't the history-steeped location or Nicolas Gasquet's museum-worthy garments. 
Uh, I hope I pronounced that correctly. <laughs> it's got too many of those little flinky bits that French words have. On it. <laughs> <laughs> They're called accents. Yeah. <laughs> in a return of events that reads like an episode of Charmed, it's revealed that Louis Vuitton employed a professional shaman or wizard of good and evil spirits from Brazil to ensure the weather at their cruise shows remained outi- outings remained always impeccable. Who'd have thought it? According to The Guardian, the unidentified shaman also commanded the weather at LV's cruise shows in Rio and Kyoto as well. Whilst menacing crowds threatened to hot, threatened the duration of the show, rain did indeed hold off. Unlike Dior's outdoor cruise 19 show in Chantilly, which fell victim to an unfortunate downpour. I'm assuming of cream. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, now this, this reads like it could be some sort of mystical corporate espionage where Louis Vuitton... <laughs> Slip the shaman an extra tenner to be like, you know, that rain's going to come to our show. Just send, divert it to send it to the other guy. This sounds yes. like an amazing Captain Britain story coming along. I'm sure it's an episode of the X Files. <laughs> Vogue Runway also reported the Brazilian based shaman flies only private and commands a six figure fee for ensuring the weather remains precipitation free. Oh, I bet he does. Do you get your money back if it rains? And just when we thought we'd heard it all, the shaman reportedly also worked his magic and Meghan and Harry's Windsor Castle nuptials last month, resulting in beaming sunshine all day long. Right, and I'm assuming what the royal family paid for that, did they? Or is he just (laughs) doing what literally everybody else was doing and branding himself as a royal wedding something or other? Possibly. Whether or not you believe in the weather-bending powers of shamans, it's better to be safe than sorry. Is it? And that was by Mm. Jonah Waterhouse. Water, uh, Waterhouse. Yes. Really, it's conspiracy. <laughs> she's probably, she's like the shaman's agent. So, if you had a very important event, would you employ a shaman? No, no, no. I would rent a marquee <laughs> or umbrellas. Yeah, yes, or just go inside. You I could probably buy a house or build something for a six-figure sum. Where does this Where does this person like put their? I'm gonna have a look on Indeed or Monster <laughs> and see if there's a category Tassel for weather bending shaman. <laughs> So, how, and how do you qualify for this? What kind of? Did you just go. Oh, I was sunny yesterday. That was me. Um, See, the trick is you don't work when it rains, Keith. Yeah. Or you come from Brazil, where it's mostly sunny. Yeah. His, or like his, California. His special power is reading the weather app, and then <laughs> and saying I'm busy that day, but tomorrow the forecast is. Oh, I mean, yeah, no, tomorrow I can, <laughs> the elements will will be more cooperative. My, my crystals tomorrow. aren't aligned yet. It's going to take me over. You were close, Phil, but his special power is reading how gullible these people are in the first place. Honestly, they're I, fashion people. There is. They're the gummiest it's, of the lot. It is the, it is the media. It's like it's 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 so like you know entertainment and fashion. It's like notoriously like it's like the richer you are, the dumber you get, and that's why like whenever you whenever you read an interview with someone who's like really successful and really really wealthy, they'll start talking about things like energy, and they'll be like, you know, I just like only work with people who have like really good energy, and it's like honestly, like if if you're like struggling to pay rent, you don't give a dime about someone's energy. You're just gonna like you know work with them because you need their money I feel personally insulted because I only work with people that I think have good energy well thank you <laughs> can we though can I, I can't, I can't. that's because we're only hopped up on sugar every time we do this podcast <laughs> <laughs> can we forward the, the contact details for this shaman to that fellow who had that thing on the island last year that all went to hell oh, when oh. He, oh fire festival <laughs> yeah yeah I think he needed that Nominative determinism there. Fire festival <laughs> destroyed by rain. <laughs> That's like having a rock show ruined by paper. Glastonbury <laughs> needs to pay for this geezer as well. <laughs> right. Are we going to have rotting fish next or bumper car? 
Bombacar first, I think. Rotten Hopefully fish. she's got a bear in the back seat. So this is from... How do you pronounce NG again as a first name? Ing. Ing. Ing Hewen from the Straight Times. A woman in southwest China recently caught the attention of motorists and eventually the police when cruising down a busy street in her pink bumper car. The 50-year-old woman from the Guizhou province was pulled over by a local police on the afternoon of May the 24th when her on the way to work in her unusual car, according to the Chinese media. A video of the bizarre event went viral after it was posted to Chinese social media platforms. It was shown the woman turning into a three-way lane street before casually making her way down the rightmost lane. Vehicles could be seen whizzing past her. Chinese news portal hangzhou.com.cn said the woman runs a bumper car business in the city and she'd just drive her car home from the shop as it was more convenient than walking. In fact, this is not her first trip in the pink bumper car. She'd been warned when caught by police on several occasions and she'd been warned that bumper cars not, can be not driven on the roads. How, at this time, however, her good bumper car was seized by officers. In October 2016, two men were spotted racing down the street in Shenyang, Liaoning province, in green and yellow bumper cars. The men had reportedly complied by the roll rules by stopping at traffic lights. But their actions seemingly prompted the authorities to issue a warning against such dangerous behaviour. I... That is thug life, that. Do we want to see a picture? Disregard for authority. It looks like a little pink beetle. So cute! I think all cars should be bumper cars because that would just make it a lot safer on the roads. I mean, honestly, yeah. yeah. Bumper cars yeah. are limited to 20 miles an hour. Could you imagine if you had a crash on the M6 then it would just be people just... It would like that scene in Austin Powers where he's trying to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't get out of anywhere. It would be yeah. a lot safer. All I'm getting from this is I really want to drive a bumper car around Birmingham now. Wasn't there that French experimental comedian who did it in a Mario cart a few years ago can't remember yeah. his name Remy Gallard that sounds like something a French experimental comedian would do <laughs> I think he's Remy Gallard I think he is but he got he did it with a like basically where he did a version of Mario Kart and the police started following him and he started eating and throwing bananas behind him nice because, because absurdism uh, yeah. yeah Remy, Ga- Ga- Remy Gallard, Gallard. so yeah. give that a google on youtube the full videos on there it's quite amusing did he get fined or do time he did get fined. Good. Oh, did he actually? Yes. Huh. He also did another great one, which was basically where he just rocked up at the top of the mountain with some ticker tape and a banner, and anybody who was cycling up the mountain anyway, he pretended like they'd just won the race. I mean, that's, that's quite that's wholesome. nice. That's, that's nice. like making someone feel good for putting in the effort. I don't know. Yeah. I'd probably be quite irritated if I was cycling and someone did that. Well, imagine if like it got in your eyes. Actually, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it didn't snap. <laughs> <laughs> Hundreds of cyclists taken off their bikes. Are we ready for the rotting fish? Exploding fish. Yes. Exploding yeah. rotting fish. Let's, let's go for well, the it's both, fish. actually. They rot and explode. So this is from freeze.com. Fire at London's Haywood Gallery as rotting fish artwork explodes. The opening of a major new exhibition by Lee Ball was delayed after one of the South Korean artist's works caught fire. A major new ex- exhibition of his works had its opening delayed after a fire broke out a few hours before the show preview. The exhibition crashing was due to open on, to public on the 30th of May, but was pushed back until the 1st of June. The gallery set, said Lee's famous artwork, Majestic Splendor, 1991-2018, to caught fire whilst being removed from the exhibition. Majestic Splendor is composed of sequin-covered rotting fish. When it was shown in 1997 at New York's MoMA, it had to be removed as the smell made visitors feel sick. 
For the Feywood show, the fish were placed in potassium permanganate, though not flammable, the chemical does increase the flammability of other combustible materials. On receiving the advice, the gallery decided to withdraw the artwork, but spontaneously combusted (laughs) mid-removal. Um, so I have, um, I have a question. Yes. And it's nothing to do with the actual fish exploding. That science seems super legit. It's more a case of, like, and that's art? Yep. A dead fish covered in sequins? Or it was lots of dead fish covered in sequins. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's a comment on um, the appropriation of mermaid culture. (laughs) Wait, can I see it? It looks like somebody's Nike selection on the side of a wardrobe. You know, like, when when, like... Really rich people have like their trainers laid out for display. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I think it looks cool. Yes. Following expert advice regarding the materials used in Liebel's majestic splendor, we took the decision, along with the artist, to remove the artwork from the exhibition during de-installation. <laughs> that is a word. Yes. <laughs> a small fire broke out at the fire service that tended a spokesperson for the Hayward told Freeze. Only minimal damage had been caused to the galaxy gallery by the exploding fish. The Hayward reopened in January after a two-year renovation hiatus with the inaugural Andreas Gursky respective in January. Liebel show runs until the 19th of August. So get your tickets, kids. There's still time. I'm he sure. also has a like giant silver miniature airship in one of the rooms. Uh, that was not what I was going to call I, that. That I looks like, like that. something from Love Honey. <laughs> it looks like Cow. something that has multiple settings. Yeah. Oh, wow. And the, the whole fish bursting into flames, I'm sure that's happened to me in the kitchen at one point or other over my life, and nobody's reported that on the news. Well, it's when you can coat it in a combustible material and then try and shake it off a wall and then get surprised when it combusts. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell these people work in the art world. Yeah, the gallerinas. Yes. Time to move on, I think. Weird food, or retro food this week. I I have pulled a favourite snack out of our childhood memories drawers, except for you, Callan, these probably, didn't, probably weren't a childhood memory for you. These actually still existed when I was a child, yeah. Yes. McVitie's Ice Gems. Fruit flavour topped ice biscuits. Non-hydrogenated vegetable oil. That never used to be on the packet when I was a kid. No artificial colours or flavours. That never used to be on the packet I when I was a kid. That was on the packet when I was a kid, though. I, I, think, I think if you read the ingredients in anything um, in the 80s, it would have just said blue. <laughs> <laughs> Green. Sugar. <laughs> We've even got a little puzzle on the back now. Oh, it's a, a word search isn't a puzzle. A word search is homework. I have a which scribble takes you to the ice gym. Yeah, I've got that as well. I've got a maze. It's actually quite difficult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember what the packaging used to look like. I remember these were a lot brighter colours when I was a child. Uh, yeah. It, it, they've gone the way of party rings. where mm. The colours have got muted. And they've got smaller. Yes. Or uh, maybe my hands have got bigger. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how physics works. See, I've just noticed that some of these have got... They're not all applied the right way. I've got one that's got the actual iced bit on the base rather than on the on the top. Like it should the, have. the quality control's the quality not there control's again. The quality control's all over the place. The scrutiny that keeps yeah, applying some, to these some ice Some of germs. the icing has come off of mine. I just want to remember now if they're still as ridiculously hard as I was as a child when they used to scrape the roof of your mouth. Well, uh, speaking as someone who's been quietly munching on these for the entire show, um, I can confirm. <laughs> they are nice, though. They no, taste really nice, very really pleasant, very it, sweet. It's wedding cake icing on biscuit. 
It's like week old wedding cake icing on a biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> it is. You, you can know when you find when you find a bit of cake in the back of the fridge and you're like, that'll do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then regret eating it as soon as you put it in there. <laughs> are these like Smarties and the different colours are supposed to taste like different things? Yes, but, but they, they are fruit flavoured. See, I can't detail. I can't. No tell mention what of what fruits are. they are. Shall we? Uh, here we go. Biscuits topped with icing, including raspberry blackcurrant and lemon flavouring. It all just well, tastes like... But there's four colours. Yeah. yeah, what's the white one? It just does all taste of pastel. Yeah. Sadness, yeah. the white one is. I, can, I, I reckon the very dark purple one must be the um, blackcurrant. That, that actually mm. does taste quite blackcurranty. Vegetable extract, extracts, safflower, radish. Mm. That's to get the colour. Yes, natural flavourings, natural lemon flavouring with other natural flavourings. It's a very helpful description. There's, like, there's lots of nondescript descriptions in there, isn't there? This definitely doesn't come from a lab. Uh-huh. <laughs> the definition of natural is like inorganic and organic chemistry. If it's yeah. got a couple of carbon atoms in it, it's natural. I mean, technically everything does occur within nature. It's just how much boiling down and amphetamines need injecting into it first. I am missing my... Um, I notice uh, there's no E numbers. Yeah. Do they put like them on what is an E number? Because I, my definition of that is different. It was, <laughs> <laughs> and they kind of have the same effect. <laughs> well, all, all I remember growing up was E numbers were all oh, they're the devil. They they they're going to make your child hyperactive. And you're not allowed to give them any kind of significant dose of it. Basically, yeah. what it was, it was a numbering system instead of saying a massive three foot long carbon hydrogen molecule thing or m- potion that they put in it was just like a short abbreviation for it and there was a big book where you could say E123 is X E124 is Y well I just learned something yes it's basically just like a coding system right yeah but some of them were actually cause hyperactivity and stuff there's a lot of stuff in that <laughs> Just comparing it to a bottle of uh, another beverage. Well, how would we say they tasted like? The biscuits. The biscuit just tastes like biscuit. That's yeah. that's that's a- utterly adequate. Yeah. It's not digestive. It's not nice. It's not. It's, in- it's not. It's not as. It's quite as insipidly inadequate as a as a as a rich tea though. It's no. It's kind of like that middle ground of biscuit. Rich tea is lovely. Oh God! I've quite, why does that not surprise me that you would say that? You are a rich tea of a person, Callan. <laughs> The no, most basic rich, of biscuits. Just rich like, tea with a nice cup of tea about three in the afternoon. I think I had to make super-sized ones of these on the bake-off at any point. Because I can imagine this is the kind of thing that poor Hollywood likes to get his gums around. <laughs> See, as soon as you med- mentioned wedding cake, I was thinking about the idea of just a giant one of these, just in place of a wedding cake. How would you cut it? <laughs> If that was you were the only a problem chainsaw. I was having. If you were a dentist touting for business, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. God, they are hard. Uh, you know, you know, ice gems are hard when you have to use the back teeth to get some kind of perches on them. It's like yeah. cracking a walnut with your mouth. You're just making yourself sound old here. Right. Shall we try our second snack then? Mm. <laughs> oh my God. Moving along from our retro memory there. These are balcony snack latte 
You say that like it's a thing <laughs> that we should be aware of. I'm assuming they're Italian due to the labelling. But then well, it yeah. says die but on the cover. <laughs> There's an Italian flag on the cover also. Which... <laughs> With David, 1953. Well, I was going to say, there's a jug of milk on there, and it does say latte. Whoa. Milk in <laughs> I was going to whiff of that. It's an oven-baked... Does bait. it smell strong? What it says here oh, is... Oh, it does, yeah. Oven-baked confectionery product with milk filling. Oh, my God. Is that their way of saying cake but not a cake? Yes. We can't legally call it cake. <laughs> it's not officially a cake because it's not been baked in an oven, but it's I, how, it's... I totally misheard what you said the filling was. <laughs> totally misheard milk. that. Yeah. It smells sort of like paint stripper. It's like it's held in the packet with a bit of corrugated cardboard. <laughs> What gets me is the date on my one is the 33rd of October 2018 is apparently when it expires. No. <laughs> that's, that's a severe misprint. You know when bread starts to go off and it gets that slightly alcoholic tang? It's okay for toast and that's about it. Yeah, you that's, can make that, a sandwich. That's the aroma that is I'm that, getting here. It's got like it, an it, almondy kind of smell. I was going to say almonds. Yeah. Very much an almonds. Very am- amaretto. Isn't that smell? Yeah, isn't that what amaretto. you're supposed to smell when you're like about to have a stroke or is that burnt toast? That's that's burnt toast, not toasted almonds. <laughs> almonds does apparently smell like a poison, though. I can't remember which one it is. Arsenic, I think, smells yeah, yeah. like almonds. I like how it comes in a little bit. Has of anybody cor- eaten it yet? Yeah, oh, I like okay. it. I, I, like, I, like I do like how it comes in a little bit of corrugated cardboard to make it like a makeshift little tray for you. I don't think I'd eat one of those 20 years later. No. That was okay. I'm not sure what the white lines are on the top of it. Decoration. I it's like made of something. I like how we've all just gone quiet here. <laughs> just I don't know what to make of it. I mean, it's just sort of like, it's just it's, a very basic creamy sponge. It's like, I know I ate it, but from the moment I put it in my mouth to the, I didn't, where did it go? It seems to just vanish it's, quite it's, quickly. It's like the kind of not a cake that you get, like, you know, on an airplane. Yeah. <laughs> You know what it would be? This would be like the substitute food that they like give to astronauts in like a sci-fi drama where they've got no budget. Just have yeah. like a rack of these in like a fridge and then they'll have, a, out have a bar of almond nut cake. But it doesn't taste like it smells at all. No. <laughs> You'd expect it to taste thank, almond. Thank God. <laughs> you would. I'm going back to the mid ice gems here. I've also noticed something with the ice gems as well. There is no consistent amount of icing. Whoever was doing that just was completely <laughs> checked out. Quality controller. Do you think it's like a student on their holiday just going? He's he's been laid off. Like he's like, oh, a robot's coming to steal my job this time next week. I just really don't care. Mm-hmm. It's just like the toothpaste topper in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the Tim Burton version. Yeah, <laughs> it's just. A... <laughs> that was um. Yeah, interesting. I think we're going to return to our, what our original snack was, which is Vimto jelly beans. They're nice. I like they those. are nice. They're my favourite. Right, so we're going to go and enjoy them, and we'll be back in a little bit. So, last week, if you're at Collectomania 25, aka Film and Comic Con Birmingham, you might have seen myself, Mr. Bloomfield, and Mr. Daytons, wandering around, looking slightly lost, as we always do, but mainly with cameras pointing them in people's faces <laughs> and saying, Hello! And so tell me, uh, Mr. Parrish, who, whose face did you shove that camera and mic in? <laughs> well, who, we, did, who did you harass over, over Collector Mania? Mainly we spent 
most of the time harassing Mr. Ian Richardson, who's a wonderful local comics artist. He's worked on some brilliant titles. He's worked for 2000 AD, mainly, and done loads of other cool stuff. And Keith, you're campaigning at the minute for him. Yeah, yeah I've kind of I've just decided I want him to illustrate an all-new Captain Britain uh, quarterly comic, because uh, I think he'd just be a, a great extension on from the, the kind of Alan Davis stuff that we used to get in the in the kind of 80s and early 90s, I think. Marvel, if you're listening. Yes, Sign him, sign him up right now. now. Sign him up right now. But there were loads of big media guests there. So in attendance was Mr. Christopher Lambert. Oh, oh, from Highlander. Yes. Yeah. With with the accent that isn't an accent. The Scottish French accent. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Monsieur, my name is Monsieur McLeod. Is so uh, is he best known for the Highlander film? He's or? best known for Highlander, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. For me. But he popped up sort of all over in, the, um, the 90s. He was in Subway. Before Highlander, so I'd seen him in a French film a few years before, uh, which I think was I can't remember who who who, who made Subway. I want to say Luc Besson, but it probably isn't. Wasn't that Taxi? No, that was later. So he was he, he, the the cover for him. He's got kind of like bleached blonde, spiky hair, and he's got a fluorescent tube in his hand. Was the poster for That's it? That's like every Luc Besson hero ever. Yeah. So he was in a film called Subway um, before he did Highlander. Yeah, but also in attendance was Mr. Danny Glover. Oh. <gasps> Lethal weapon. He was certainly not too old for this. I was going to ask that. <laughs> and we did see him on stage as well. He was giving a little bit of a talk there. There was many free talks throughout the day, which you could go and attend and view. And they were pretty cool. Very uh, cool. Mads Mickelson, hottest <gasps> actor of the moment. Hannibal himself. Yes, we got very of... close. <gasps> yes. oh, Rogue One, Doctor Strange, Hannibal. I mean, what more of a guess could you want? Mr. Ray Park was in attendance as well. Yeah. Keith's gonna, uh, Phil's going to be rather quiet when he thinks of who Ray Park I, is. I, I'm trying to place that name and I can't. Think of black and red face paint in the Star Wars universe. Oh, um, Darth Maul. Yes. Yeah. Right. He was the body of Darth Maul. <laughs> the, the, just the body. Peter Serafinowicz was the voice he was originally. His, in the, he yeah. was his stunt butt. <laughs> <laughs> like in Notting Hill. And yes. he got, he got, at least he got to use his own voice in uh, X-Men. Yes. When he was towed. Yes. Uh, I think oh, he's of course, because he was like a gymnast or a, an acrobat, wasn't well, he? He does a lot of um, physical uh, kind of stunt work. He was basically yes. just the guy that was hired to do backflips all through 2001. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robert Englund was in attendance. Freddy himself. Yes, yes. there was nice. a massive queue. There was a lot of Freddies mm. wandering around. Yes, there was a huge queue for his yeah. uh, autograph booth. Chad Coleman and Emily Kinney from The Walking Dead were in attendance as well. Who? Wait, okay, wait, wait, um, which... which which well, one? this is this is what I stumbled across an episode of the Orville on the and evening. Chad Coleman is in and there. Chad Coleman is uh, bought us. I don't watch the Orville. Oh, you haven't watched the Orville, and I didn't realise this until I was watching it, so, and then I kind of clicked at the who, time as watching it. Who is he? In he was uh, Woolly Hat. Can't remember his name as a character. He was a big character in the comics, uh, and I can't remember his name. Well, got mine Google. He was the he was the brother of. The actress who is now in Discovery, Sonequa. Uh, oh, so he was Ty- Ty- Tyrese. 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 That's it. Yes. Oh, yeah. He's Tyrese on The yeah. Walking Dead, but he was also Dennis Cutty Wise on The Wire. Yeah. Was One he? of the greatest shows of God. all time. Because I didn't, I didn't put this together that at the time. Hot, that's a hot take, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> and Emily Kinney was in Masters of Sex, which was on Channel 4 a little while ago. 
Yeah, I watched the first couple of episodes of that and then tuned out. I yeah, that show made me like both deeply uncomfortable and bored. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a weird show. They were, to be they, honest, they were trying to do Mad Men, but about like psychiatry, and it yeah. was just it was like it just oh, didn't it didn't seem look, to really there's, work. There's perms and cigarettes, and also yeah. institutionalized misogyny, and homophobia. This is not a fun watch. But um, she was Beth in The Walking Dead. Yeah, oh, and she was also yeah. in that conviction, which was the Haley Atwell series, where she left Agent Carter to go and do that naughty, naughty, naughty. Yeah, oh. Agent Carter was which is a shame. But there was some really great guests there, and we That's did a have good mix. Yeah. Oh, and also Aid Edmondson. Aid Edmondson, which Aid was a good thing because uh, Ian had done a sketch cover of him as his character from uh, The Last Jedi. Yes, and that then then on the reverse of the, that cover had drawn him as Eddie Hitler. Uh, and it's, it's a beautiful thing if you if you follow, if you follow Ian on uh, Wait, Facebook, he's posted a picture up pencil and strings on Instagram, I think yeah. as well. Um, I'm sorry, Aid Edmondson was in the Last Jedi. Yes, yes. he was the he one was throwing General, shade uh, at General Hooks for the entirety of General the film. Prentice, I think yes, his I character think name is. Yeah, he's the one who stands behind Hooks every so often and just kind of goes, "Yeah, okay, you're an idiot." Yeah, basically. As in Aid Edmondson from Bottom. Yes. Bottom, the young ones, filthy rich and cat flat. I, I, well, clearly I, my attention was just on the wrong thing in that film. <laughs> you were watching Donald Gleeson. Yes. I, I, I was, I know I was saving all of my, my attention and focus for whenever um, Oscar Isaac. Ah, of course. <laughs> uh, Jimmy V was there. He probably won't know to look mm. at his face, but he has been in Star Wars quite a lot. He's yeah. the new R2-D2. And he was in quite a few of the Harry Potter movies as well, which Callum yeah. was shocked at. And lots and lots of Doctor Who, which you were like, Gasping audibly. audibly is, he, is he a bit of a Doug Jones type who is yeah. known for never being actually showing his real face? Pretty much. Generally, yeah. And the last person I'm going to call out on this list who was there in attendance was Mr. Billy Boyd himself. Oh, okay. Lord oh, of the Rings. I wait. <laughs> but, um, no. Okay. I know this. I know this one. Billy Boyd. Billy Boyd. Billy Boyd. Wasn't Frodo. He, did, he does the song. Wasn't Sam. The one who is always having brunch. Yeah. <laughs> Second breakfast. <laughs> Sorry, that's what I meant. Because him and the guy from Lost, they were like the gay couple who were obsessed with brunch out of the Hobbits, weren't they? Pretty yeah. much. That was, that was my reading of the food. text. Jeremy Bullock, Mr. Bob. Jeremy Bullock. Shane. Uh, Shane's. Um, Rimmer. Is it Shane Rimmer? Yes. Voice Scott Tracy from um, Thunderbirds was there yeah. as well. Mark really cool. Williams. Yes, Mr. Mr. Weasley. John Wesley Ship. Yeah, we didn't get to see him. The, I know. The, Dawson's who, dad, the original Flash from the and original Dawson's series. dad, Dawson Creek. I mean that. Yeah, that, that, that's <laughs> yes. much more. That's the one who died. Yeah. Yes. Okay, and yeah. he's also in the current Flash as well. He's in the current Flash. Yeah. As now, a different Flash. He's now the original Flash. He's, yeah, he was. He was Barry's dad. dad. And now he's uh, Jay Garrick. It yes. is so funny hearing people talk about the CWDC shows because I don't watch any of them and so it's just like when you start talking about things like that it's like yeah that makes no sense to me but I'm sure there's, there's an, a huge internal logic but one of the best things was while we were hanging around one of the corners yes. uh, Paddy Constantine went past oh. and it was like there's a wild Paddy Constantine going around and then he ran away quickly after <laughs> Keith tweeted it I was out like, that I, he was I kind of like made it quite clear that I saw him and he just went <laughs> Is it, is, like, it, oh, is, it, is, it is Paddy Considine like a really rare Pokemon? <laughs> it was indeed. I think it was more he was trying to avoid Joyous 19. He's yeah. finding him. He's, uh, yeah, he, he sort of appears and then and then vanishes <laughs> off to film a prestige BBC drama. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, we had good fun. And uh, we did speak to quite a few of the small press people, which we're going to speak to now. 
Hi, I'm uh, Mal from Central Legion Costume Group, West Midlands based costume group. We're uh, uh, basically a local group, we're focused on charity events. We're a diverse group, we don't just focus on Star Wars or uh, one area of sci-fi or comics or anime. We're, we're trying to embrace a uh, diverse range of uh, costumes. Um, we're not heavily focusing on like screen accuracy, we're very much about um, making the costume interesting for the costumer as long as we have a high standard. Um, we like to think of we enjoy ourselves, um, we do a lot of charity events, we do um, small events, big events, and um, that's, that's pretty much it. We try to maintain a bit of a sense of fun in what we do. We like something that we call the Central Legion Edge, um, which is very much um, being outlandish, unusual, quirky. We try to embrace um, Kind of different ideas um, and do something different with those. And we're not just about costuming either, we do with uh, makeup, um, special effects, artwork, and um, we invite people to join us as crew members as well. So we're, we're trying to embrace all the last things in costuming. And where can we find you online? Um, we've, we've got a Facebook page, we're all over social media, we've got Instagram, we've got, we've got Twitter, um, and um, yeah, we're very pleased to be here at Clexmania. It's a big first opportunity for us. I think Showmasters have done a real fantastic job of pulling all, all the various stalls and celebrities together for this one. It's their second time they're doing it and I think it's very Hi. impressive. I'm Ian Grant. I'm Heidi Goody. We're local authors. Um, we come down to Clotomania today to sell our books. Uh, it's our book, Cloven Hoop. Uh, Satan loses his job and has to move to Birmingham. Um, yeah, so all of our work, nearly all of our work is comedy. We've written together for six years Six now. years, 11th novel coming out next Friday. Um, we've come down today to, to just meet people, sell some books, and uh, have, have a great day. Yeah, loving it. Very much so. And where can we find you online? So you can find us online at pigeonparkpress.com or clovenhoofbooks on Facebook. Hi, my name is Emily Stewart. Um, I'm a local uh, sort of artist. Um, and I am working mostly on mostly on sort of bits of fan art, but also I'm currently working on producing several of my own original uh, comics. Um, generally, I quite like uh, sort of anime, uh, French comic books, and uh, Disney stuff, and I think I've got sort of a mix of everything in, in my style. Uh, currently, I've got two comic books that are in the works. Uh, one of them. Uh, it's called uh, Tilly Katoo and it's based on uh, a Finnish sort of uh, myths and legends. Um, and the other one is about pirates. Uh, and it was originally a much more historical, but is gradually getting more fantasy. So the second episode is going to have uh, magic, werewolves, and uh, dragons. So that, there we go. That's the sort of stuff that I'm very into. <laughs> And where can we find you online? Uh, online, I'm uh, Overlord Racks on Tumblr. Um, I also have uh, my own little website now, uh, Emily uh, EJStewart.co.uk. Um, so you can also find me on that, where I'm hoping to put all of my professionally made artwork. Um, and I'm hoping to have some moments. <laughs> so. uh, I'm a comic artist. So I've worked for 2018. Platinum Comics, Image Comics, Marvel UK, 
Xenoscope, and lots of others that I can't think of right now. So yeah, I'm, I'm one of those lazy people that basically set up my ass scribbling all day. So then I'm down at Collectomania at the NAC all weekends, scribbling, sketching for people, chatting, just generally being a nice bloke, really. And it's nice because it's a hometown show for me, so I get to go to home to my own bed tonight as well. What am I working on at the moment? Um, predominantly covers for Xenoscope. Don't ask me which ones because it changes from month to month. Uh, at the moment, I've been doing stuff for like their title Peekaboo and also their Jasmine Crown of Kings of stuff like that and then another book that I do in the interior is four called The Unthinkables which I promise is coming very very soon probably from Antarctic Press I'm open by you can find me on Facebook which is probably the interesting glory on Instagram or you can find me at numerous shows throughout the year this is Kim Roberts and between us we co-own and operate Hotline Comics. Yeah. You can find us at www.hotlinecomics.com online. Uh, we are publishers and we also create all the books ourselves so they're all written by us, coloured by us, lettered by us. We hire artists from around the world and we've been going for about two years and in that time we've put out about 20 books. We do a mixture of children's books, parody books, horror books. We've got zombies, we've got ghosts, we've got some superhero things. Basically, we try and cater for whatever people are into. And we create things that we like to read ourselves as well. So we do a lot of horror because we're into horror ourselves. And that's how we started, really. We just we made uh, an old-style horror anthology like Tales from the Crypt. And then it sort of sprang from there, and then we started doing one shots and original stories as well. We are at www.swaplinecomics.com. We are on Facebook at Swapline Comics. We are on Twitter at Swapline Comics. And that's it, isn't it? Yeah, that's about it. Keith? Yes? Do you remember the big toothy things? Yes. You used to roll around about 65 million years ago. Are you saying I'm that old? <laughs> that I used to hang out with them? <laughs> they are chickens now. They are chickens. And other types of bird. Yeah. And crocodiles. Cro yes, sharks. sharks. They were around at the same time. They were around the same time. They're chilling out together. Of course, we're talking dinosaurs in film. As the big teethy things are back in the cinema at the minute. Yeah, we just... Not actually, just on screen in the cinema. There might be a person wearing a dinosaur suit. <laughs> there seems to be a lot of those going around at the minute. It's people in dinosaur suits. With a sort of translucent mid-section mid where the face is. <laughs> yes. And, I, 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 and oh a bouncy God. head just I flopping know. around. <laughs> and it always has like the mad, the mad wild happy eyes and I just never get tired of seeing them run around just like wreaking havoc, clearly having the best time. Fifth banned me from buying one of those. We were going to a fancy dress party. She knew I that you would want... never take it off. <laughs> I wanted to go dressed as a dinosaur. It was kind of like it didn't go with her theme because she was as Madonna. But we could have made that work. Why we could have made you, it work. Why you, you could, it would have been a heartwarming 80s family-friendly movie, Madonna and the Dinosaur. You could have made the, the very, you know, sort of tired argument that Madonna herself is a dinosaur. <laughs> Which I would never make. Shame. She's an icon. She's an icon. I'm we waiting stand. for the RuPaul's Drag Race special on Madonna at some point. Well, they've had the share. Yeah, I was going to say now, they did so the share recently. They're, they're running out of material. But dinosaurs. 
moving back you to dinosaurs. You wouldn't want to be sat behind one in the cinema as well. That'd be terrible. <laughs> what, a dinosaur? Dinosaur. <laughs> share. <laughs> could you or imagine, share. Yeah. Could you imagine how much popcorn and coca dinosaur <laughs> would need to get <laughs> Anyway, moving could on. Could you imagine dinosaur trying to get the popcorn with his little hands? <laughs> <laughs> All you'd hear is... Oh. <laughs> and then and a very rolling down the theatre. <laughs> anyway, Keith, what was the first dinosaur on the silver screen? The, the technically the first appearance of dinosaurs on the silver screen was mm-hmm. uh, from animator Windsor McKay in 1914 mm-hmm. uh, when he did the animated Gertie the dinosaur. Because um, a lot of people think it's King Kong, don't they? Well, no, but actually, yeah, it's 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 quite a bit before that. Um, King Kong doesn't come along f- for quite a few years. But Winsor McKay did a um, part animated, part live action uh, short film mm-hmm. where he interacts with a um, hand drawn dinosaur that comes out and inter- interacts with the presenter. Uh, it's the first. Uh, kind of silver screen appearance of dinosaurs in the same year from director W.D. Griffith who's mm-hmm. renowned for producing many other films uh, there's a film called Brute Force which sometimes is called Primitive Man um, which is another depiction of dinosaurs that is generally a man in a suit but it's more renowned for the fact that they either dressed up a crocodile or a pig as a dinosaur uh, during that film Dino Pig so Dino Pig. it's kind of it's one of these things I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's easy to get hold of and watch well, these well, days well a brontosaurus did they just put like a giant neck on the pig well the, the only picture I've seen of it is very blurry and indeterminate and it's like I can't quite tell what it is I can't tell what animal it is and I cannot tell what kind of dinosaur it is so it's very difficult um but it's a couple of years later that we start to get dinosaurs a bit more. Um, we start to get into stop motion. So the next really big film is a uh, version of The Lost World, which was made in 1925, mm-hmm. uh, which has the first kind of stop motion animatron- um, versions of dinosaurs, yeah. which is from Willis O'Brien. And then eight years later, we get them in King Kong, which is yeah. kind of the, the one everybody It's kind remembers. of like everybody... Rem- I think a lot of people have probably seen the original King Kong in some yeah. format. Mainly, even if it's not on the screen, they've seen archive footage of it because it seems to be the one piece of stock footage that everybody goes back to. For yeah, the dinosaur fight mode. between Kong and the dinosaurs is one that kind of like gets rattled around a lot. So everybody's kind of seen, even if you've not seen King Kong, you've probably seen that clip on some program or other. Yeah. Um, and, and then we start to hit the kind of slightly more dubious well, interpretations of dinosaurs because um, you get a version of One Million Years B.C., not the Raquel Welsh in a bikini version. Uh, but in 19... with Doug McClure. Doug, well, Doug McClure, that's even later on. You're getting quite ahead of yourself now. Uh, this is 1940, and it's the first time that um, people went, we can't be bothered to do move a little bit, take a picture, move a little bit, take a picture. Um, so they introduced real lizards mm-hmm. into their films. <laughs> and I, I, I'm... I'm sorry. What? <laughs> so, kind of, kind of iguanas and <gasps> other kinds of um, lizards, and they kind of glued fins and backplates to oh them. Oh my god! But you'll be even more intrigued when you find out what they actually called these uh, live-action dinosaurs. Um, they go under the phrase Slurposaurus. <laughs> yeah, so I which can't. sounds like somebody in McDonald's. Yeah, it's a highly uh, dubious way of because um, when you see them, they kind of just tend to be quite aggressive uh, lizards and fight each other Um, so you don't really see them an awful lot in cinema post that point because I think you know kind of animal rights thing but um, Erwin Allen who's famous Mm -hmm. for Lost in Space and Time Tunnel and loads of these TV TV shows did another version of The Lost World in kind of the mid 60s I think yeah and he used a lot of them yes and and a lot of people will have seen that on TV I was going to say I've seen that a few times I think it's one of those BBC2 kind of or Channel 5 staples I think it's one of those ones that people get confused between that and um, 
the Doug McClure films. Yes. People think they saw the kind of live action lizards in the Doug McClure films, but that's not actually the process they used for those. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kind of hit um, kind of the big role for this. So you, Fantasia does a very accurate representation. Up to this point, the dinosaurs weren't particularly yeah. scientifically accurate. Uh, but in a segment in Fantasia, mm-hmm. um, Night on Bear Mountain, they do some very, very kind of scientifically accurate animations of dinosaurs. Yes. Uh, and then we start to get um, the very famous Ray Harryhausen. Who One of was, my favourite people of all time. Yeah, he was Ray a student Harryhausen. of Willis O'Brien. So he's come from that, that uh, uh, field. So I in think... 1953, he kind of hits us with The Beast from uh, 20,000 Fathoms. And that's a big stop motion movie. Yeah. Um, then he does a few more. Then he also works on the Brackar Welsh version of One Million Years BC. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of introduces the process of stop motion animation that he calls Dynamation. Yeah. So that's a very... Um, intricate animation that has a lot of interaction with the live action characters you see it more in stuff like Sinbad and Jason and the Argonauts yeah. I think is where he perfected that kind well, of well three thing. years after he does one million years BC he does the Valley of the Guanji mm. uh, which oh, has yes. a very famous sequence of a set of cowboys lassoing a carnosaur mm-hmm. I believe is the dinosaur that they capture and that's like you know they have live action lassoes turning into stop motion um, versions on screens amazing looks fantastic is that the one with the big fight in the church at the end yeah when they burn it all down yeah. um, so you get a lot of films then uh, through to the kind of late 70s which is a lot of stop motion we start to introduce some things like animatronics mm-hmm. so this is large format robots that are interacting with the actors because it makes it a lot easier to do rather than the stop motion dynamation type of thing um, but the land that time forgot also started introducing rod puppets mm-hmm. so that's live rather than robotics that's and a lot of people did those. Yeah, that's the Doug McClure yeah. uh, movies that you see quite a lot. Um, so we get quite quite a lot of those up through the 70s, 80s, Planet of the Dinosaur, Secret of the Lost Legend, uh, Carnosaur is another one, which is kind of getting us up to 1993. But 1993 was the big uh, turnabout year for dinosaurs in cinema when we get hit with Stan Winston Studios and ILM's uh, merging of CGI and animatronics to give us the first Jurassic Park, which kind of just took very scientifically accurate at the time representation of dinosaurs and put them on the big screen and made people think that these things were alive again. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it's a pretty much a turning point in cinema because that mix of CGI was n- not really used before because we had stuff like Tron, where it was pretty much it was either all CGI or none at all. It was kind of not that blend yeah, of CGI. Yeah, up, 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 up to that point, kind of early 80s to that 90s if cgi was being used in something it was very clearly cgi things like the lawnmower man and all that kind of stuff you could tell Mm -hmm. it was made in a computer but the jurassic park was the first time you got lifelike uh computer generated imagery we'd kind of got a little bit close to that with the terminator 2 but it wasn't you know it wasn't real objects and stuff it was kind of liquid metal but the dinosaurs were the first time it really became um a big thing and then disney did their uh long animation in in 2000 with Dinosaur and now we're back around to Jurassic Jurassic Worlds Phil you enjoyed Jurassic Park as a child did you enjoy it or did you no <laughs> I, 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 I was I, I that I was terrified I was terrified I spent most of that film in the cinema just like hiding behind my mother's shoulder um, the 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 scene in the car with the ripples in the water yeah, I mean, obviously, just incredible filmmaking because it the, it builds the dread before you ever see the T Rex. But the bit that traumatized me, I would say, it's like actually as scary to me as when I watched The Exorcist. 
it was the Dilophosaur scene. Oh, with the... Where it's like, you think it's like he's made a friend and it's really cute and it's like catfishing him. (laughs) And then it like, you know, it's fins come up and it's spitting poison and it's all like black oily death. And I just, I was, I was traumatized. I was traumatized. It was horrific. I don't think I was old enough to see that. What was it? Was it a PG? It, it was. was a, it would have been PG, PG at the time, yeah. yeah. But it was. It's the kind of like Spielberg PG where it's like, yeah, like it's a it's a family friendly adventure where people die. Yeah. Well, how old, how old would you have been at that time? Um, I was. I. I. Well, what? What year? Ninety three. Yeah. I was six. Yeah. Well, the thing that always got me with it is that's not the scary bit to me. The bit that's scary to me was when the hand clamps down on what's face's shoulder, Doctor. When she's going to reset the breakers. Oh, and Samuel um, L. Laura Jackson. Dern. Yeah, Laura yeah. Dern's going yes. to reset the breakers. And Samuel L. Jackson's been disappeared in the film for about 20 minutes at this point, And then a hand appears. Wait, Samuel Jackson's in that movie? Yeah. Yeah, he's the guy who runs the computer section. Oh, that's... Yeah, that's another bit that um, is really realistically... Um, when she's like running down that corridor and like she she's like trying to tell herself to get up because she's so terrified her legs don't work. Yeah. And that's like... And she's oh. also got an injured leg. But I mean, a yeah. lot... A lot of that film is is uh, animatronics. Yeah, there's not an awful lot that's CGI. So the, the scene only... you that traumatized you <laughs> yeah. is all animatronics and puppetry. I was going to yeah. say the only bit I really remember being quite clearly CGI was the fight at the end between the Velociraptors and the T Rex yeah. in the reception area. That's the only bit I can really remember standing out but, as CGI. And and this is the thing though, in all the films that have been made since, where the creature is CGI, like it's never looked as real as the practical effects in Jurassic Park. Mm. No, thank you very much for your very quick rundown of dinosaur movies. Yeah, I think I might pop a little uh, viewing list yes. up on the uh, Geeky Brewing website just so if you're interested in catching any of these, particularly the Ray Harryhausen stop motions. Yes. Um, so to just go and have a look and see what you can find. To wrap us up, favorite dinosaur movie as a child. My favourite dinosaur movie as a child probably would have been uh, The Valley of the Guanji, just because of that um, cowboy lassoing scene. Phil? Uh, the Lamb Before Time. Oh, because Because I'm addicted to crying. <laughs> Callan, do you have a favourite dinosaur movie, or are you still stuck on Barney these days? <laughs> Barney's a dinosaur. <laughs> we didn't cover because we didn't cover TV. We didn't do di- uh, Barney or Dinotopia. That's the not made a Barney movie, surely. Well, I don't really count. Oh, there was dinosaurs. The Jim Henson dinosaurs that's, TV show. That was well. going to be my favourite dinosaurs growing up as a child. That not the mama. Not the mama. <laughs> that was a great show. Oh my god, with the darkest ending ever. Ever. <laughs> I think we've covered that before yeah. this show, yeah. but it is kind of a punch to the gut that ending. So. We've seen the rise of the dragon in the east when it comes to technology at the moment. We've seen a quite a lot of Chinese smartphones hit the market to replace the longer standard Korean and Japanese brands. So in my recent memory, we've seen stuff like the Xiaomi Mi phones are really coming up in the UK. Uh, Huawei released their P20 Pro, which was the first triple camera phone ever with a 40 megapixel camera on the back of it and an AI processor that got released in London last month also released last month was the OnePlus 6 which again this is a manufacturer who started making very small mid-range mid-range smartphones and they seem to be getting quite a lot of people interested in their technology and of course Alibaba is now the Chinese version of Amazon pretty much stock everything 
sell everything all over the world. Phil? Uh, yeah, so um, what's really interesting about tech in China is because of the Great Firewall, everything they've done um, mm-hmm. has been developed completely independently of Facebook, Twitter, Google, yeah. um, all the different platforms that you know companies like Apple and Amazon kind of designed for. Because I know their version of Facebook is Weibo, I think it is, or is yes. that... And so, then you... uh, their, their Google is Baidu and their, their Twitter is Weibo. QQ, and QQ's like their version of WhatsApp, I think. Um, well, the, well their, their version of WhatsApp would be um, WeChat. WeChat, sorry, yeah. Uh, which is owned by Tencent. So you've got the three. So we have the like Facebook, Apple, Google. Mm-hmm. Um, they have um, the, the BAT. So Baidu, Alibaba and Tencent are their yeah. triumvirate of tech giants. And basically they own everything. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. Most technology is now made in China, usually around the Shenzhen or Guangzhou areas of China. Yeah. But, um, these places are starting to break out of the Great Wall now. So Alibaba is AliExpress everywhere else in the world, I think. Is it? Um, yes, and so so Alibaba is um, is sort of growing outside of China. I, I was actually reading a report today. I think that there's companies investing in their marketplace and mobile payment technologies. I think it's India, Indonesia, Pakistan, and I want to say Bangladesh. So it's sort of they're they're going. Um, sort of throughout Asia mm-hmm. but I, I think there's like a global aspiration there as well yeah I mean because my phone is actually a grey import so if you've not heard about grey importing before this is where you can import a phone from a different part of the world uh, and it will work it's usually an international version it will work with British networks so I have a Xiaomi Mi A1 which is a massively popular phone in India I think it's one of the best selling phones in India which it runs Android stock Android it's one of the very rare phones that doesn't have an Android skin over the top of it but it also means I get monthly Android security updates so this is beating quite a lot of UK phones over here where we know what it's like you buy a phone and then you won't get an update ever again usually some of the times or it'll take six to twelve months for you to be moved from say android 7 onto android 8 reo or 8.1 or whatever it is but this this is pretty much i imported my previous phone which was the oppo find 7 oppo are the third largest mobile phone manufacturer in the world now and people don't know who they are in the uk but they make so many phones. You'll Ow. know them as OnePlus in the UK because OnePlus is a wholly owned subsidiary of Oppo. Yeah, it's um, it's mad that uh, outside of like Apple and Samsung and Android, you know, because yeah. it, but between the, the duopoly of Apple and Android, um, no one really is aware that there is like this whole other marketplace of devices. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and but I think that's going to change because um, even though like Apple is still releasing the really really expensive models like the iPhone X, yeah. um, globally the average smartphone price is falling yeah. because of companies like this. Where um, in India it's going to be the, like the much much cheaper devices are what are helping people actually adopt smartphones. Yeah, and and this is the thing you'll you'll find in developing countries quite a lot is people who use smartphones in lieu of a home computer, laptop. Even a work computer sometimes. They've sort of bypassed the whole desktop generation that we had and they're doing everything via mobile. So they might never have done online banking but or, or even a lot of these people never had a bank account. Their mm-hmm. first experience of having a bank account is through their mobile phone. With NFC technology as well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And it is kind of this weird world we're in nowadays because your traditional Western people, we've had this association with technology 
from late 70s early 80s in the home really so we started off with vcr players you started off with um tape players things like that laser disc players dvd we've been through all the generations and it now seems to be the developing world are benefiting from having to have missed most of that technology absolutely and and because it's um in a lot of developing countries they're sort of they're using what they've got so that they yeah they, they, they might not be able to afford whole entire computers um a lot of what they're doing is via like um dumb phones it's you know mm-hmm. a lot of people, what they've done has been so they've um developed online banking that can be accessed through sms messaging just because it that's the affordable medium that they have and then it's sort of they're they're kind of skipping all of the big big steps and they're like right i've got this one device what can i do with it they're coming up with all i think mean, there is a, a, med, a healthcare company that is using um like 10 year old ipads to do heart scans mm-hmm. it's and it's just sort of the ingenuity of using like the absolute limited resources and then kind of almost reverse engineering a product out of that mm-hmm. um yeah so it, it, it's just really really interesting to sort of see outside of like the planned obsolescence of apple in the uk and the us what other countries are doing and what other markets are doing just a, a question in terms of um purchases in the uk yeah because i imagine one of the things that puts people off this is the slightly the vagarities of buying uh great 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 goods or yeah. or goods from another country because i know on ebay you often get sellers that are based outside the uk and i have yeah. i've dabbled with smaller tech bits and pieces and particularly with games mm-hmm. i've imported in from other regions so what's what's the kind of implications of of, of buying um stuff from abroad like you said you the yeah. version you've got well, will work in the uk but what kind of people well, things should one, people look out for so the one thing that came with my phone is i made sure it came from the eu warehouse that means customs have already been sorted before it arrives which is one thing i do suggest you watch out for because a lot of you there's a few online shops you'll find like Gearbest or places like that and there might be import or customs charges if you're importing it from say the hong kong or the chinese-based warehouse but usually they have an eu option which is slightly more expensive but it means if it's eu based there's the customs union which we're currently still in means that you will be protected against that and you won't have a significant import duty. The only thing you are going to find is you'll get an EU charger or you'll get an international charger. You won't be guaranteed to get a UK charger. But in this day where 90% of smartphones come with either USB, micro USB 2 or USB-C, you're usually going to have a charger to hand anyway. I mean, this is why Nintendo sells stuff like the SNES Mini without a charger nowadays because... uh, like most people, I'd assumed you'd have a drawer full of chargers still from previous <laughs> mobile phones which have been dropped, destroyed, or passed down to other members of the family. And you don't ever know when you might need one of those random assorted cables, so you keep all of them, and that collection just grows and grows until you die. Yeah, the other thing you might find as well is it might come with Chinese language as set as a default. There's 90% of phones will come multi-language, mainly because they're designed for an international audience, so it just might need a little bit of watching a YouTube video or something like that, is how to change the settings to UK. And you might run into worlds where... It, where <laughs> you might run into a world where sometimes you might need to flash the BIOS. Uh, what I would suggest you do is quite a lot of research if you are going to look at getting a great import phone, because it's kind of it's it assumes you're okay with technology yeah you, you need a little bit of technical nous to yeah. be able to to do it but like you said it, it's, it's the like, kind of thing if you yeah. look at you'll find a youtube video where somebody does it yeah straight away so you can use that yeah i mean it's kind of this thing of i don't think it's a bad thing in the world to have made in china written on the back of your devices anymore as i said 90 percent of the stuff electronic wise is usually made in china or malaysia or somewhere like that 
and just import to the UK. I mean, the only thing that Apple usually do is stamp their quality control on where it's designed on the back of the phone. Probably. Yeah, if it's designed in the US, but it's made in China. Yeah. yeah. But my recommendation is, if you are interested in checking that out, watch a few YouTube devices, see what's on the market, clue yourself up before you make that purchase. But as I said, recommend to look for a EU warehouse where you can import it from. Thank you for joining us on the Geeky Brummy podcast this week. Mr. Bloomfield, where can we find you on your social medias? Well, before you see me on my social medias, we do have a small miniature announcement to make because our illustrious leader uh, is going to be aging an extra year ahead. Uh, oh, you not to give me anything. In the coming week, in the coming week. So um, we've cobbled together, and I do mean cobbled together, uh, some <laughs> gifts. Uh, as I was, I was tasked to wrap these at the last minute with a very limited uh, set of resources. Uh, so I do hope you appreciate our um, gifts Thank you to yourself. Oh, you know what's the most depressing thing? I'm 35. I've moved up the age category on all websites. I'm now officially out of the 25 to 34 oh. age range. It's actually like now I need to be an adult. It's depressing. No, you don't. No. <laughs> it, the minute you start being an adult is the minute that this show dies. <laughs> What you want to worry about is when you're in the second to last category, which is um, pretty shocking. It rattles. Mm, look at it. Look at the wrapping. That is that is quality wrapping. Quality. I am impressed. You should see the things I had to do to make that. <laughs> Did you I, MacGyver I like that together? I, I was literally given that with with minutes to get it done, and it was like, what have I got around me, and how can I make it work? I'm going to return the ribbon because it's very pretty, and you might want to reuse that somewhere else. I like people who like to reuse their gift wrap. Yes, that particular. We recycle on this show. We're based. See if I had long hair, I could use that. To, to now these these are <laughs> get the microphone. I could use that to tie up my bows. Now these are amazing, and I've never seen them before. <laughs> <laughs> I may have spied them at Collectomania, but not purchased them. They are miniature Jap- Gashapon Japanese Star Wars um, Force Awakens figures. So I have a miniature Captain Phasma, who is the best. She is the best. It she, looks pretty amazing. More screen time. More screen time. She's a bamf. Yeah, she might come back. You never know. We didn't oh, she'll be back. She'll, she'll be, be back. back. I get a little First Order Stormtrooper. I have a First Order Flame Trooper. They were pretty badass in the first one. I really like their design. And a miniature Kylo Ren. That's adorable. Oh, that's like the little Calvin and Hobbes cartoons that they make. Yeah, they're very Kylo. sweet, don't they? Yeah. The little chibi versions. They are amazing. Thank you very much. I do wish I'd bought a set myself now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. This one doesn't rattle as much, but it is still wrapped beautifully. Thank you. It's not wrapped beautifully. It is. It's like trying to find gifts that are square, so it's easy to wrap them up. I only ever That's buy what I do. cuboid gifts. Yes, I buy square gifts or gift cards. <laughs> People like at home are going to love this. It's a bit annoying. It's like ASMR. <laughs> Lightsaber included. <laughs> I love how that's a big thing on the outside of the box. That's what makes it, yeah. That is... He looks like the Rebels version of Vader from season two. They're, they're actually based on the Disney Infinity. Ooh, um, are they? Look. So after they cancelled the Disney Infinity run, they've yeah. now started this range of uh, what they call toy box 
Yes. Figures. And they are pretty sweet. And they're, art- they're articulated unlike the Disney Infinity ones. I think he might be an, an RFD for me because he looks just that cool in his pose that I have. And if I get him out, I'm never going to be able to make that pose again. Oh. It's good because he's got his hand as if he's choking you. It's very nice. Yes, it is a beautiful Darth Vader action figure. If you're wondering what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps you should take a little photo of all of your figures yes. and pop them on our Instagram feed I for our listeners to, uh, to have a look and become envious. He is awesome. Thank you very much, guys. I very do appreciate it. Happy birthday. Thank you. Happy birthday. Keith. (laughs) (laughs) Very quickly. Yeah, if if you're on the Twitters, it's hardlock underscore hotel. Instagram, it's without the uh, underscore. Um, Facebook is a little bit more tricky. I don't think you can find me. But if you look on my website at hardlockhotel.co.uk, you'll find links to various bits and pieces, Flickr and all the rest of it. So go and have a look. Could be Mr. Ellis, where can we find you on the interwebs? You can find me on Twitter at Philip underscore Ellis. That's Philip with one L and Ellis with two. Still got the blue tick and duck. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's not going anywhere. <laughs> and I we're... can't. I've, I've, I've already said now that I, you know, I, I'm just, I only speak to other verified people. <laughs> <laughs> we noticed. <laughs> and if people want to hire you for your journalistic exploits? Um... I mean, that would be nice, yeah. Uh, FreelancePhilip.co.uk mm-hmm. Cool. Callum, where uh, can we find you, except making sound effects on the arches? You can find me on the Twittles at Danes Radio, or one word, D-A-Y-N-E-S. R-A-D-I-O. Have you yeah. missed that? <laughs> yes, I have. Very much so. And on Instagram, it's the same thing, but with an underscore, mm. because I was late on that one. And on my personal website at DanesCallum.wixsite.com Oh, he's got a website got now. A I've had a website for ages. I just forget to promote it. Callum, tip for the future. WordPress.com <laughs> <laughs> See, Wix is... I always get confused because it's Wix, as in like, it makes website, but I'm like, is it also like furniture polish? <laughs> I, I thought it was Dot Cotton and like EastEnders characters ah, website. Wixy, Wixy. <laughs> is, he, is he signed for that one just literally because every YouTube video he's gone to is like, would you like to make a spanky website? You could go to Wix.com. You know, you can click like skip ad. I just. You know- <laughs> I, t- I tried using an actual adult site to make my website. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, yeah. Danes Radio no, no, no. Daneshub.com. <laughs> red red calendar. <laughs> well, you do have a bit of a reputation on this show. <laughs> is, it, is it all shots of you from below the knee? <laughs> Is that where you got your shorts on? You did a photo shoot beforehand for your uh, adult website. Yes. Where can we find you, Ryan? Moving top top. <laughs> Skillfully avoiding the question there. You can find me at Ryan Parrish. Not driving a bumper car in Beijing or China. <laughs> not yet, at least. <laughs> no, no. I thought I'd do that as guys not here to speak. He's guy underscore health, but we don't care about him. <laughs> But you can find us all in the week on Twitter, Instagram, Facebooks, and around the interwebs at Geeky Brummy. It's always just one word, geeky with a Y, Brummy with an M-I-E at the end. People seem to forget that. I always do, anyway. Should should have named this show something else, really, shouldn't I? <laughs> Two years in. A bit late now. With it now. <laughs> At least you haven't had it tattooed wrongly on yourself somewhere. What, so I'd have to rename a child? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> but don't forget, yeah, you can find us on YouTube as well. We do loads of cool little videos of the places we go and visit, such as Lemmington Comic Con, uh, MCM Comic Con, MCM Ice. Comic Con, Ice. There's there will be a col- there's a collector mania one, one coming like online now. Depending on when you're listening, or yes. if you're an early bird, it's probably still online now because I'm going to do it do it check it out and that because Keith does all the pretty editing Alan helps with the filming <laughs> and I do the music yeah we, we've, we've, uh, oh, we're yeah. reaching out now yeah. it's good stuff yeah. multimedia brewing now yeah <laughs> omni-channel immersive experience yes but whilst you're there don't forget to hit subscribe so you can get weekly content from us gentlemen and also click the bell button not on a podcast is it on YouTube? You can only click the bell on YouTube. Yeah, click the bell on YouTube. Yes. And, and like, yes. Re- review us and just like tell us how much you love us because we we get down sometimes and that really helps. Tell me how great my knees look. Whoa! <laughs> Go back to your adult website. Right, Callan. Go back to your OnlyFans page, Callan. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a family show. But if you do have anything you want us to talk about or something you want to share with us or even if you want to possibly sponsor us in the future drop us an email to hello at geekybrummy.com and one of us usually me will say hello back but thanks for joining us and goodbye bye bye so long farewell I'll feed us in adieu adieu <laughs> adieu <laughs> cheerio kids bye bye thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast If you enjoy what we do, then please consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash brumradio.